Let's continue in worship now by turning in our Bibles uh, to actually the very first page of your Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 1. It's where we're going to be starting. If you got one of those cool uh, bookmark things, see I got two in here. If you got one of those, you can turn to Romans chapter 5 and uh, you can put a bookmark in there and then head to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in Genesis 1 and then head to uh, Romans chapter 5. As you're turning there, I'm going to ask you a personal question. Raise your hand. If you are uh, one of those crazy people whose Christmas tree is up already, go ahead, raise your hand. I want to see it loud. I want to see him proudly. Okay, interesting. I didn't know. The church. Well, keep them up. I want to get a sense for who these people are. Okay. I think there's still someone who's embarrassed to admit it, but we got like four or five who's up, whose tree is up. Um, and I just want to say you can officially, it's okay because we're starting our Christmas series here at Rock Prairie, so you don't have to feel weird about it anymore. Uh, we can now officially enter Christmas decorating season, so it starts today. Um, just kidding, not really. But we are starting our new series here at Rock Prairie called Jesus' Family Tree. Uh, Liz Quinn, our, our children's director, actually gave me the idea because uh, in a few weeks the kids are going to be starting a series with the same name. And so in I think with seven weeks, including today, between now and Christmas Eve, we are going to just be looking back at the Old Testament and take a look at some of the key people in the lineage of Jesus and then talk about how their lives point us to the birth of Christ. And so this morning, the first man that we're talking about in Jesus' lineage, lineage is literally the first man, Adam. So we're going to talk about Adam. Uh, so hopefully now you're in uh, Genesis chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to read starting in verse 26, uh, a few verses, and then we will pray. God's word says this. Then God said... Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just ask now that you would move here, um, just continue to work in our hearts by your power through your spirit and um, help us as we look to your word to understand it and apply it to our hearts and to our lives. It's something that only the Spirit can do. And so I just pray that you would guide my words, Lord, and that you would be doing a mighty work uh, this morning as we, uh, the word is preached. Uh, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you a question. Why were you created? Why are you here on this earth right now? And you think about that. Like if a random person came up to you and asked you that question, how would you answer them? Now, some of you, some people, when asked that question, might turn to their relationships. You know, I was made to be a mom or, or whatever. Uh, others to their jobs, right? God made me to be a salesman or uh, God made a farmer, right? That says, what is that, Bex, who says that? I don't know, somebody says that, but... Um, or maybe their personality, right? God made me to put a smile on people's faces. Like, this is, this is why I'm here on this earth. And there's a million uh, answers that you could give to that question. And uh, honestly, 
I think uh, all of them are uh, incredibly dangerous <laughs> answers to give to that question. I think one of the most uh, insidious lies that Satan tells our culture right now is that you are in charge of creating your own purpose. And until you find that purpose, you will never fully be complete. Uh, I think this is a cultural message that is everywhere. I was on a run the other day, and uh, I was uh, listening to music as I run so that I didn't keel over. And uh, as I was running, there's uh, Spotify sometimes. I don't know. I hit a button or something. They decided that they needed to give me new music to listen to rather than the music that I'd said I wanted to listen to. That's neither here nor there. But uh, this song came on, and I was, as I'm running, I'm just like, it's a pop song. I'm just, it's just like the most just kind of cultural, be yourself kind of message. And I'm just rolling my eyes and I'm running, as I'm running. And then finally, I, I got to this one point in the verse and uh, I, sto I stopped right in my tracks. I was like, I got to figure, like, figure out where the, what song this is, where it's coming from. My guess was it was from the Barbie movie. It just seemed like that to me. I don't know. And, uh, but it wasn't. Uh, it was actually, I, I looked and it was actually the soundtrack to a, a kid's movie. And um, I was just blown away. This is the message that uh, is being sent in a kid's movie. So I'm going to do something I don't think I've ever done before in a sermon. I'm going to quote Kelly Clarkson at length here. So I want you to listen. Um, that's what it says. Look around you, so many things to do and try. No one's judging, and the rules don't really apply. Take a bite of whatever feels right, and whoa, yeah, it couldn't taste better. Choose the path you want and take it. If you don't fit the mold, go, doesn't matter. Go on and break it. And uh, I've been spending a lot of time in the first three chapters of Genesis, uh, and that sounded familiar to me. She's paraphrasing the serpent in the garden and saying that actually this is how you're supposed to live. The rules don't apply to you. Go ahead and take a bite of whatever you want. I mean, that's literally the exact same thing that the serpent told Eve. And I don't want to go like too far on a limb here, but if you're trying to give life advice and quoting Satan, like something's gone off the rails, right? Like that's... Um, I couldn't believe it. Now, when I use these examples sometimes, I'm not just like, I hope you know, I'm not just like hammering on one person or whatever. Like, it's, it's a broad picture of our culture. I don't know if Kelly Clarkson wrote those lyrics or not. That's not the point. Um, the point is that we live in a culture that reads the story of Eve and the serpent in the garden and then says, actually, the message that our kids need to hear is that the serpent was right. That, that's the, conf I mean, that's just utter confusion, is it not? And what makes me so sad is that that is such bad news. We have an anxiety and depression epidemic right now, especially among our teenagers in our country. A study that I read recently said nearly three out of five teenage girls report feeling persistently sad and hopeless. Three out of five. And I'm convinced that a good part of the reason that our cult of this epidemic is that our culture puts such a tremendous pressure on them to create their own meaning and purpose in life. 
And so then you try to find your purpose in your grades or your athletic ability or your gender or your sexuality or any number of things. And what we know by reading past Genesis chapter 3 is that those things always lead you to a very dark and dangerous place. Genesis chapter 1 is such good news because it frees us from every lie and every pressure that our culture would place on you to find your own destiny. You already have a purpose laid out for you. You don't have to make it up. It comes from Genesis chapter 1. And what we see in Genesis 1 is Adam's purpose is your purpose. Genesis 1 is clear. Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. This is day six of the creation account. God didn't say this about anything else that he made. He didn't say, let's make the plants in our image or the birds of the air or the fish of the sea or the livestock or the animals in our image. God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. You were created in the image of God. I was created in the image of God. Every single human being you ever come into contact with was created in the image of God. What's an image? An image is something... That represents something else. We went to New York City earlier this year, and we were in a gift shop and uh, paid way too much money for this little uh, Statue of Liberty. Uh, it's maybe uh, the result of an argument, the marital dispute that happened. And uh, anyways, we don't need to go there. It's ridiculous how much that, it's right here. How much do you think this cost? Okay, not that much, but it was too much. Anyways, <laughs> I'm very cheap, I guess is what we're learning. What is this thing? That's, is it the Statue of Liberty? No. <laughs> but it represents the Statue of Liberty, doesn't it? It's de- no one would ever think that this is the Statue of Liberty. They wouldn't walk into uh, Owen's playroom and pick this out of the play bin and say, how did you find this? How did you get the Statue of Liberty right here in Tipton, right? No one would think this is the Statue of Liberty. Um, but when I look at this, I can know something about the Statue of Liberty, can't I? I can know what it looks like. I can know what it would be if I went to see the Statue of Liberty. I can get a sense for what that would be like. And this, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's, it's pretty close. You were created in God's image so that when people look at you, they will know something about who God is like. You understand that? You were created to be an image of God, so when people see you, they can get a sense. No one's going to look at you and think you're God, right? But they'll get a sense for who our creator is by who you are and by the way that you live your life if you are living like God tells you to live. And so we were created with a purpose that is not something that we need to invent. It's not that we need to survey all the things in the world and just take a bite of what feels right and follow what's on the inside and someday, maybe some way, you'll find what you're truly here for. No, God tells us on page one. 
You were created in the image of God to be a representative of Him. And so the way we do that is by enjoying His blessing and extending His glory. Look at verse 28. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God didn't have to do it this way. You realize what's happening in these verses. God is sharing his rule with you. He's willingly doing that. He's not saying, well, these people I created are way more powerful than me. I better put them in charge. No, he is willingly sharing his dominion with you as his representative. So you need to realize, church, you were created with this unfathomable meaning and purpose to your life. And when you realize that, when you realize you were literally created to represent God himself, you realize what a perversion of your own purpose it is to say, I'm going to throw away the rules, I'm going to create my own meaning, I'm going to do life my way. That's just so sad. Adam's glory, being created in God's image, to enjoy and extend his blessing to the whole earth. Adam's purpose is yours too. And this was a good idea that God had. To create the world and to create us in his image and place us in the world to rule with him and extend his glory to the ends of the earth. This was a great idea that God had. And uh, unfortunately, uh, that went wrong, didn't it? Because when we look around... We don't see a world filled with people representing God accurately. We see a world filled with people who take a bite of whatever feels right. And then we see that in our own hearts too. And that is because of the next point. Adam's purpose is your purpose, but Adam's sin is your sin and his death is your death. For that, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 5. So hopefully you've uh, placed your bookmark there. As I was preparing for this week, I was excited about this sermon and looking at this passage together. And uh, as uh, I was studying, I turned to Tom Schreiner's commentary on Romans, which is really good. And uh, this is literally the first sentence he writes about this passage. He says, Romans 5, 12 through 21 is one of the most difficult and controversial passages to interpret in all of Pauline literature. And oh boy, that really put a bucket of cold water on my excitement. But uh, needless to say... We're not even going to begin to try to cover all of the issues that come up with this passage. Um, but uh, we're going to look at what this tells us about um, Adam and ourselves. So look at verse 12 with me. It says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. So Paul's explaining how we went from a world with no sin and death to a world full of sin and death. And he says that the way that sin entered the world was through one man's sin. What's he talking about? He's talking about the fall in Genesis chapter 3, which I was going to have us look at together this morning, but Kelly Clarkson did a, such a good job summarizing that passage. We, we all know what, what happened there, right? You know the story. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden 
and uh, told them they could eat of any tree other than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the serpent came and spoke to Eve and said, actually, you don't need to listen to God. God just told you that because he knows if you eat the tree, you'll become like God. Now, what's ironic about that? The serpent told Eve, God doesn't want you to eat this because if you do, you'll be like God. Where's the, what's the irony there? They're already like God. She's already created in God's image, which God did willingly. It's not something that God's afraid of. But it wasn't enough. Being created in the image of God to represent God to all of creation wasn't enough. And so when Eve saw that the fruit was good to her eyes, she took it and she ate it and she gave it to Adam and he ate too. And that act is what brought sin and death into the world. And what's interesting is how Paul says that death spread through the rest of the world. So he's saying uh, death came into the world through one man's sin, but how did it spread everywhere? It says, in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. Now, when you first read that, it seems like it's saying that, uh, well, we all sinned, and so that's how uh, death spread. But that's actually not what it's saying. It's really interesting. The verb tense here with, for sinned is talking about a one-time in the past sin. If he was talking about the sin that we all commit all the time, it would have been a completely different verb tense. He's talking about a one-time-in-the-past sin, meaning that when Adam sinned, that was everyone else's sin too. And we see that all over the passage. Verse 15, by the one man's trespass, many died. Verse 16, from one sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation. Verse 17, by the one man's trespass, death reigned. Verse 18, through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. Verse 19, through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. It's clear. Adam was the representative head of humanity, and how he did in the garden is how you did. I was trying to think of an analogy this week. I couldn't think of a good one, so I'm going to have to give you a bad one. But it's like, you ever go to like a, a college basketball game or something, and it's like, okay, we're going to have a trivia question for this guy, and if he gets it right, everyone gets free pizza, and then he goes, and then he gets it wrong, and biffs it, and you know, boo, you know, nobody gets free pizza. But like, that was their chance, Right? It's not like they ask everyone in the section and then uh, they all get a chance. No, it's that was your chance and, um, and he failed. So as a result, you also failed. And uh, you might be saying, well, that's not fair. I didn't ask for Adam to represent me. And that's maybe a fair thought, but I would just ask you to show me the evidence that anyone on earth would have done better. Uh, they wouldn't. That's the point. We could have sent the best of the best into the garden. We could have sent Jan List into the garden, and she would have messed it up too. Like, it doesn't matter who we would have sent. Our representative was always going to fail. That's the point of this passage. That's why Paul says in verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And so that's it. Adam's sin is your sin, and Adam's death is your death. Full stop. You had your chance. It was in the garden. And because Adam failed, you failed. And you know what? This is really good news. Really good news. Why? Because 
If this is true, the technical biblical term for this is federal headship. There's your $20 word for the day. Federal headship, meaning one man representing the whole group as its head. If federal headship is true and Adam's failure is our failure, guess what? It opens the door for something absolutely amazing, which is that it's possible to have a federal head, a representative, to succeed where Adam failed. And if that happened, then it would mean that his success is the same as our success. We'd all get the free pizza, right? Guess what? That's exactly what happened. Well, it's better than free pizza, actually. If Adam's death is your death, then the flip side is true. Christ's life is your life. I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of those verses. I was cutting them off earlier. Hopefully you've been following along with me. So you see I wasn't reading the whole verse there. I'm going to read them now. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, meaning Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For, by, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Church, this is good news. Adam's failure meant death reigned to all mankind, but Jesus' success means eternal life for all who believe in him. That's the gospel right there, church. Jesus succeeded where Adam failed. Adam brought a curse. Jesus brought a gift. Adam brought death. Jesus brought life. Adam brought condemnation. Jesus brought justification. Adam made us sinners. Jesus made us righteous. And church, doesn't this, like, don't passages like this just bring it so clearly into view how silly it would be to think that you contribute one single thing to your salvation. It just doesn't make any sense. It was Jesus. Jesus did it. He lived a sinless life. Did you live a sinless life? Have you lived a sinless life? Okay. Well, that settles it. You can spend your life trying to justify yourself. And oh, how often do I see this? How often do I see people just trying to convince themselves either A, that they've done enough, or B, that there's just no hope for them? I'm missing it. You can spend your life trying to justify yourself, or you can spend your life worshiping the one who justified you. Church, there's been some really good news this morning. I wonder if there's just anyone in here this morning, if there's somebody who came in and they weren't necessarily expecting the news to be this great. We've talked about 
That's what it means to have relationships in the body of Christ, how we can just walk alongside each other through the most difficult and scary things that can possibly happen in life and encourage each other. And that's because of our common uh, bind together in Christ, how we're commonly bound together in Christ. And you can have that in your life. You can have that kind of depth of relationship with people that's not just based on how other person makes you feel, but it's based on the common experience of knowing Jesus together. And you can know Jesus and be forgiven because just like one man brought sin into the world, one man brought righteousness into the world. And you can have that righteousness. So if that's you this morning, if you're coming in and you're just like, whoa, what is this? That's the Spirit And he's speaking life into your dead heart right now. And you cannot ignore it. You need to believe that this is true. You need to stake everything on it. You don't hedge your bets at all. You say, I'm all in with Jesus right now. You have to do that. There's no other option. Every other road leads to pain and difficulty and ultimately destruction. The way of Jesus is narrow, but it leads to life. If you're on that wide path right now, coasting to your destruction, I'm just urging you this morning, stop and turn and follow Jesus. And don't stop and say, I'm going to clean myself up. That's the exact opposite of what you need to say. You need to say, I'm going to follow Jesus right now. And I'm just going to trust and believe the unthinkable, which is somehow Jesus' righteousness is counted to me. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see any of that crap I've done in my past. All that junk just piled up. I just want to hide it. Jesus forgives it. And when God looks at you, He sees the righteousness of Christ. You've got to dare to believe that. If you don't know Jesus, you've got to believe. If you know Jesus, oh man, don't we just, it's just the temptation to just get pulled away from believing that you are fully justified in Christ. It just doesn't make sense to believe anything else. Either you're justified or you're condemned, you're not in the middle. If you're in Christ, you are justified. So let's live like we believe that. And then let's in turn go back and live in the purpose that God created us with from the very beginning as his image to represent who he is on this earth by the way we love him, by the way we love others, by the way we put other people first, by the way we think of other people's needs ahead of our own, by the way we make ourselves less and other people greater. When we live like that and we enjoy the blessing of what it is to follow God and extend his glory to the earth, that is when you find your true purpose. Amen? There's no other way. Trust and obey. Be happy in Jesus. Trust and obey. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we praise you. praise you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Adam's sin brought condemnation into the world, and if it wasn't him, it would have been me. 
Jesus came, the only one who could live a perfect life, fully God, fully man, lived the life we couldn't live, died the death that we deserve, exalted, reigning, and will return again and make all things new and all things right. Come quickly, Jesus, we pray. And in the meantime, if there's anyone here this morning who is not following Jesus, I ask that they would do that today. Speak to them, Spirit, in their heart right now. Do a miracle. Bring them from death to life, we pray in Jesus' name.